0: Book of Luke today. Welcome back to Bible Time. I don't really have much today, but I've got too much at the same time. Luke chapter 24. The Word of God is a self defining, self preaching book. A preacher, all he does is get up and say what God said. And if he doesn't, if he does much more than that, he's not a preacher anyway. Luke 24, verse 47, Jesus Christ speaking here and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would give us this power from on high, a fresh anointing of power from on high today. And Lord, maybe there's some here today who've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ by faith in his name, but they have never had the experience, Lord God, of being filled with your spirit and endued with power from on high to make them a witness. And, Lord God, you know what your word's talking about. There's a bunch of fake stuff out there. I pray, Lord God, that you wouldn't let the phony and the fraud shut our minds and our hearts to the truth of your word. We pray, Lord God, that you would unravel the lies of Satan and that you'd open up our hearts to your word and give us a submissive spirit to it. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys actually gave me enough volume backing away from the mic. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So here in Luke 24, Jesus told them to go and preach and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. By the way, that's what we've been doing here. Preaching repentance and remission of sins amongst this nation of America and then broadcasting it. And we've had um, more countries have been listening online. We thank the Lord for that. How many states have, have listened now? We've got 42 states in America have listened to the podcast so praise God. Praise God. The Word of God is going out, and we pray if you're listening online that this will be a blessing to you as we open the Word of God. Go to John uh, chapter 2. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine... The mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Now this, I preached on the podcast there. You can look it up. Um, Let no man judge you and drink. And we talked about this, about whether or not um, Jesus Christ was indulging in um, alcoholic wine here the bible's clear that he was not whether you agree with that or not the bible's clear whether you want to make excuses for sin or not and that message i encourage you to listen to it you if you try and accuse jesus christ of making alcoholic liquor here wine and that he's out here getting these people drunk you are a blasphemer you are a blasphemer you're probably not even saved if you can keep on doing that and god doesn't bust you If God doesn't bust you and you keep doing that, you are not saved. And there's no probably about it. If you can just live on and keep preaching that garbage, you're not saved. God will bust you. Now the Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now." This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Now this beginning of miracles, this first miracle Jesus did was specifically for his disciples. He had just picked his disciples and there were his 12 disciples. They were watching what he was doing and he was teaching them and he was showing them his ministry and he was showing them what he was going to do and what he was, and what he was going to do to them there's a whole lot of scriptures that we could tie into here i didn't know what to preach the lord just gave me three references so we're just gonna go with it and we're just gonna do what we've got um i wish i had more in a way but i really believe that this is what god gave me so i'm content with it um, here we have six water pots of stone and six in the bible is the number of man the number six is um, Repeated three times for the antichrist six 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 the antichrist will try to be god The number three is the number of god. He's god the father god the word and god the holy ghost in first john 5 7 if you've got a real bible If you've got a fake Bible, they either took it out or they cast doubt on that verse. And you need to get yourself a real Bible. Go find a good old authorized version Bible in English. And 1 John 5, 7 is one of the easiest verses to check a Bible with. If you're not sure you've got a real Bible, you can go there and it'll weed out about 90% of them just that fast. So there it says that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And it, only the devil wants that verse out of the Bible. Right. That is one of the cornerstone doctrines of our faith, and it's the only place in the Bible that it is mentioned verbatim. It's taught all through the Bible. The Trinity is mentioned all through the Bible, but it's it's spoken verbatim as a doctrinal fact in First John five seven. Right. Now the <clears throat> excuse me, the Antichrist he'll be six six six. Uh, unholy trinity of men there'll be the beast and the false prophet what's the other one i'm forgetting right now but i'm not teaching on that anyway what yeah i can't remember it but there's the unholy trinity there in revelation you can study that out and he's a 666 now adam was created on the sixth day And um, here we have six water pots of stone. The Bible says of Christians, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of men. And an earthen vessel is a clay vessel hardened. Elijah, you're in trouble. Fold your hands. These six water pots of stone, an earthen vessel is one that has been hardened as a clay vessel hardened by the fire they would also take as in this case and carve out stone vessels i heard a preacher that did some back study on the archaeology and i only i'll give that i'll take that with a grain of salt that archaeological stuff that's about worth a grain of salt it might help you it might absolutely just destroy your faith and and they use it all the time to change God's word and correct the Bible so I I won't even hardly get into that stuff I can't stand the way people misuse uh, misuse that stuff today faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God you don't need archaeology sometimes it can be interesting and so I offer you a little bit as an interest today those water pots were about four or five feet tall, they would say, the Jewish water pots and because they, they find them all over the place over there in Israel, these water pots, and they would gather water and they would fill them like a cistern. They would also might catch rain runoff in them, but they would fill up these water pot cisterns and they would hold this two or three firkins. I can't remember how much it is, but it's about the equivalent size of a man. Now in water and stone, I think it, if I remember right, it was somewhere between three and 500 pounds full is what this thing would weigh. But here are these six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Now we're made in the image of God. God made us a spirit, soul, and body. The New Testament says it that way, that, the God, that God Almighty sanctify you spirit, soul, and body. But the problem is when Adam sinned, death passed on all men for that all have sinned. When Adam sinned, he died spiritually. And Adam was made a spiritual being. (coughs) The most important part of Adam to God was the spirit. Adam's spirit was his biggest part. It was his most defining part. The reason Adam could walk around naked and not be ashamed was because his body was just a vessel. And his spirit was the overwhelming dominant part of him. He was not ruled by the flesh like we are today. So he didn't need to cover up his flesh and he wasn't interested in fancying up his flesh. He didn't need to. His spirit was the most godlike part of him. His spirit was what clothed him. When we read about Moses interacting with God on the Mount of Sinai, or of Sinai, he's up there and he saw the hinder parts of God's glory. He didn't even see God. He saw the back parts of God's glory after God passed by the after, aftershine. And Moses' face shone with such glory that the children of Israel could not look on it to behold it. I'm sick to death of people drawing Adam and Eve licentiously, sensually. You couldn't see them if you looked at them with your physical eyes today. You would not be able to look at Adam and Eve because they were spiritual beings that had a soul and a body and they were walking with God every day. And the glory of Almighty God was upon them and they shone like the brightness of the noonday sun. And if you think you could have looked at Adam and Eve and had any dirty thoughts, you better think again. By the way, all this culture that wants to draw all this stuff out, the Bible says it's an abomination to look at the nakedness your mother Amen. you want to draw Eve, adam and eve and put up artwork of adam and eve and make them all naked and and show that off you are looking at the nakedness of your mother that's a perversion that's an abomination yeah. just thought we'd throw that in for free because that wasn't in the plan but true. it's true they were made spirit soul and body So Adam died when he sinned. His spirit died and they knew they were naked. How'd they know they were naked? The shine was gone. The glory of God was gone. They could see their nakedness for the first time. They had not seen it because they had walked in the glory of God. And now they saw it. And God said, who told thee that thou wast naked? And that was a pointed question because they shouldn't have known. Because they couldn't see it. Because they were walking in the glory of God, and that question filled that question pointed out the fact that they now had lost the glory. They had now lost the communion, and God was asking that question like He asked Saul questions, not for His sake, but for their sake and for our sake, so that we would know our need. So He asked them the question, "Who told thee that thou wast naked?" Now, Adam, as a, just like a dead dog cannot have puppies, a dead de- cow is not going to throw a calf. It doesn't happen. Adam, who is now dead spiritually, could not pass on the spirit to his children. So his children were born with a body, they were born with a soul, and they were born with the shell of a spirit. Just the shell. An unregenerated, unempowered, unilluminated, unglorified spirit. A dead spirit. The Bible says a wounded spirit who can bear. It speaks of a broken spirit. Now we talk about spirit like class spirit, we talk about it like patriotic zeal, like spirit is something that we get you know, all happy about, and that's our soul. And we mix up soul and spirit all the time. Adam had a dead spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians that we, are, that we were dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible says in Colossians, you who were dead hath he quickened together with him. And the Jesus said to Nicodemus, a, spirit, a man who was trying to be spiritual but whose spirit was dead, he said, "Ye must be born again." He said, "The flesh that which is born that which is of the flesh is flesh; that which is of the spirit is spirit." he says, marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. Nicodemus said, can a man enter back into his mother's womb, the physical, and be born again? And be born? And Jesus said, he said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. You cannot see it, but it's there. Now, here's six water pots of stone containing two or 3 firkins apiece. He had disciples there that had body and soul who were not converted, who had not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Judas was one of them. Right. 2 firkins. Yep. How about that? And then there were some there with 3 firkins that had been that had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, like Philip and it's who, or Nathaniel called unto him, saith unto him right there in John 1 Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man." Now, you look back there at verse 41 and look what it says here. Andrew found his brother Simon and said, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. You feel free, Gabe. I'm sorry. You feel free. It's it's a little loud. I don't want it to hurt your ears. And it doesn't even have to blast out to the neighborhoods right now because this is mainly just for us. We can turn it down if we need to. If it's hurting your ears, let's change it. Um. You guys, all right? I'm, so I'm good. <laughs> you, all right? All right. You guys, good now? I think so. Yeah. All right. You change it all you need to. It's no problem. <coughs> I was worried about that, so praise the Lord. So here is Andrew. <laughs> hey, man, sorry. no, you don't be sorry. I'm just laughing because I was thinking about you sitting there suffering and feeling bad about it, and don't I don't want you to feel bad about that. I don't want you to suffer. Alright, so one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. He believed. Right. He believed in God. The Bible teaches us, and uh, we know that the Holy Spirit was not yet given at this time, but it was in this. there was a lot of transition happening at this time. But the Bible tells us that if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So when you're saved, you're indwelt by the Spirit of God, and you'll be there with your three firkins. Now, the the firkins are water. The the firkins of water. And the water in the Bible is a type of the Word. The Bible says that a husband should wash his wife in the water of the Word. And we're to be in that water of the word is to wash us. So here are these water pots of stone. And you have these vessels. We have this treasure. The treasure of the gospel. The treasure of the word of God. In earthen vessels it says in Corinthians. That the excellency of the power may be of God. And not of man. So you have this treasure. The water of the word. Here's the treasure. Right here. And you've got this treasure in earthen vessels. If you're saved here today. No matter how old you are. You've got the treasure in your earthen vessel. Because if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes in and indwells you, and the treasure is in your earthen vessel. And the word of God that you believed is in your heart. What does it say? The word is nigh thee even in thy heart and in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt believe with thy heart the Lord Jesus and confess with thy mouth that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It says, whosoever shall uh, believeth in him shall not be ashamed. So here they are. These water pots are a picture of the disciples. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Now again, it says the water pots containing two or three firkins apiece. And he says, fill them up. Fill them up with water. So the containing is speaking of the potential volume. Does that make sense? So these things had the potential for it to be filled with the Word to two or three firkins. Some of them did not have the potential to be filled in the Spirit because it wasn't there. Some of them had three. Some of them had two. Isn't that interesting? You might think I'm reading too much into it. I, I don't, but it all it all lines up with other scriptures. And he saith unto them, that, well, it says, and they filled them up to the brim, And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear it unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. So he's bearing it to the governor, which is talking about a principality, talking about a ruler of the feast. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, that was made wine. Now, it doesn't record anybody seeing the water change. And if you see some kind of show that shows it changing, I'd just get away from that junk. It doesn't record that they saw it change. But it changed. And it wasn't known that it was changed until it was brought to the lips of the governor. When he tasted the water that was made wine, he had a reaction to it. And that's what Jesus said in John 3. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And now here's the sound thereof, but uh, um, canst not tell whence it cometh or whither goeth. So when the Spirit of God moves in and and a person is saved but then God fills them with His Word and then fills them with the Spirit and anoints them and fits them for service it's not something that is seen externally. It's not something that you can just watch happen. It's something that happens inside, something that happens quietly often, something that happens without show, without any real manifestation. Sometimes God did allow some manifestations in the Bible, especially during that transitional time there in the book of Acts, but the real work was never, whether or not they spoke in tongues or anything else, the real work was the Spirit of God doing a work inside. And what was that work? It changed the water to wine. The Bible says, the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. This book will kill you if if the Spirit doesn't give life to it. I knew a man, his name was Gabe, not Gabe. It was almost like Gabe. Just erased. I cannot remember his name. Maybe God didn't want me to name him. Well, (coughs) Gabe, you got to be the scapegoat for that guy. (laughs) This guy was uh, um, And thank God this isn't gay but, but this guy I would work with him all the time And he was always trying to show us dirty things Telling dirty jokes Been around those guys Just wicked Perverted Blasphemer And we would try Me and my buddy who was a Christian that I worked with We'd try and witness to him and tell him the gospel And, and he wasn't getting it And he would just come back with more dirty jokes Well God really began to work And to move And we worked with him one summer All summer long we had about 175 buildings that we had to do together, do these changeovers on um, just for HAC controls, and so there we were working together with him. He was the enge- he was engineering the he was doing the computer side of it. We were doing the work side of it. But as we talked with him over the summer, he came under more and more conviction. And then that job was done. God had allowed the um, one of the engineers made a mistake in the project, and they blamed us. The 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 ball rolled downhill, you know, the, they passed the buck until it got down to the installers and so they never hired us again. It wasn't our fault, it was the engineer's fault and I explained that to people and I could show them exactly how, but that didn't matter, we didn't get the job back because we got blamed at the, during the business meetings up at the top. So anyway, we didn't see this guy for a while. Finally when I saw him again, and this man had told me, he said, I read the Bible every day. He said, I'm going to read the Bible through the year plan, I read it every year. He so said, I'm on my third year. He was a pervert. So I met him again about a year and a half later. And he said, he said, oh, I've converted. You'll be so happy to hear. I said, really? I'm glad to hear that. And somebody had already told me, do you hear this guy's converted? And I said, oh, that's great. I'm, I just can't wait to meet him again. Well, I finally met him. And he, he, said, he said, hey, Joshua, I've converted. I'm not the man I used to be. I said, that's great. He said, I'm a Catholic now. Ouch. Ouch. Because Catholics go to hell. I'm sorry if you don't like that, but Catholics go to hell. They don't believe the Bible. They're looking to their priests to get them in. They're looking to the Pope to get them in. They're looking to Mary to get them in. They're not trusting solely in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus plus the Catholic Church, and God won't take that junk. He says, my glory will I share with no man. Right. And you mix in all that junk with Jesus and you just completely killed the power of the gospel in your life and you will not go to heaven believing in Jesus and anything else. Right. It's got to be Jesus plus, plus nothing, minus nothing. Amen. Jesus Christ alone. So I was very, um, very upset about that in my soul, in my spirit. And it took me a while. I was thinking about what happened. What happened to this man? He was reading the Bible regularly but the letter killeth the spirit giveth life here these water pots are filled with water and then god made a change in them and the spirit gave life and that's the wine wine in the bible is a type of the holy spirit (coughs) wine is a type of the holy spirit in the bible it says be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit so it's contrasted there. And that wine then is a type of the Holy Spirit. We could get into that in other places as well. Thank you. So that what they do when they got filled to the brim, there wasn't anything visible that happened until they drew out and bore to the governor of the feast and they bear it. So here they're now taking the water that is made wine to the governor of the feast. And at that, governor, at that feast are all these people that have come to the feast. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was. Where'd this come from? I've never heard that before. I've gone to church. I was raised in church, but I never heard that before. Right. Yep. When the governor of the feast tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. <laughs> This book preaches itself. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. He called himself the bridegroom. So here the governor of the feast is calling the bridegroom. He didn't call the servants that knew how it happened. He didn't pay attention to them much. You see the servants pointed him to the bridegroom. They knew how it happened, but he called the bridegroom. And saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. And here you have the Old and the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament they had the letter that kills. But they did not have the Spirit of God to fill them and illuminate them and teach them. And the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And so you have, as John says, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. The new wine, same Bible, the same water. Right. He didn't give them new water; it's the same water. The difference was he turned the water into wine. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm doing up here. I don't even. I, sh- I don't even need to be up here. The Bible just preaches itself. Yeah. <coughs> This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. He showed us his glory. He showed us what he's going to do. He showed us how the bridegroom will be exalted. He showed us how that the disciples would carry the water. He showed us that we would be the earthen vessels that we when filled with the word of God and then filled with the spirit of God to illuminate and empower the word of God would be able to be the new wine for the world, that we would give the new wine to the world. He manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. This, This miracle was for the disciples. Now turn to Acts chapter 1. And this is when this happened, when Christ turned the water to wine. Now, when John the Baptist introduced Jesus, he said, I baptize with water, but there is one mightier than I that cometh after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And that gets preached wrong all the time. I don't understand everything in the Bible, but the, the fire that he says, his fan is in his hand and he will throughly purge his floor and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So the context of the fire that John the Baptist preached about was hell fire. Right. Yeah. A lot of people say, oh, send the fire. I don't want that fire. I'm fleeing from that fire. But he says he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Baptism is an Immersion. You take somebody under and you bring them back up. That's how, the, that's how they did it in the Bible. It's absolutely clear. Some godly men have disagreed on that. And I, I don't know why other people can't see it, and I do. But they're wrong, and I'm right because I'm with the Bible. And if I depart from the Bible, I'm wrong. And you're right if you understand the Bible and you have clear scripture that I'm missing. It's just that simple. The Bible's right. No matter what your name is and how many people subscribe to your Facebook feed, God is still true, and you let God be true and every man a liar. So um, the baptism is immersion. So Jesus says here, or John the Baptist said of Jesus, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now the baptism with fire is called the lake of fire, I believe, according to the context of Scripture. And we know in Revelation 20, I believe 21 Uh, verse 11 is where that starts the great white throne of judgment all those whose names are not written in the lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of fire and there you've got the baptism with fire immersion they're going to get sprinkled there (laughs) get dunked and they're coming up they're going to stay there baptized for good now the baptism with the holy ghost who did john the baptist say would do it go to matthew 3 real quick hold your place in luke 1 Matthew chapter 3 is um, John the Baptist. (coughs) It says in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And then cometh Jesus from Galilee. And there's the one coming after him, as it says plainly all throughout the scripture. So Jesus Christ, he said, would be the one to baptize with the Holy Ghost. Now the Bible clearly teaches in Corinthians that when you're saved, you are baptized by the Spirit of God into Christ, into the body of Christ. It's absolutely clear. Look it up and read it. A lot of our theologians have taken that and they say, see, that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. No, that's the baptism by the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ. But there is a baptism with the Holy Ghost that is done by Jesus Christ. And that baptism with the Holy Ghost means that instead of being baptized with water, being dunked in the water, the person's going to be dunked in the Holy Ghost, submerged in the Holy Ghost. And they're going to be submerged not by an apostle, not by a prophet, not by a pastor, not by a teacher, not by an evangelist, but by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. The title of this today is um, Baptized with the Holy Ghost or Baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we'll figure that out when we do it. This is what the Lord gave me this morning. This is what we'll do. So Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, uh, But ye shall receive power, verse 8, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now we know that if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. But there's a difference between the Holy Spirit getting in you and the Holy Spirit getting on you. Now when you get baptized as a Christian, if it's a scriptural baptism, does that save you? I heard one no. No, there's a couple more. I know that everyone here probably knows that when you get baptized it does not save you. Well, neither does the baptism have any uh, with the Holy Ghost have anything to do with you be getting saved either. The baptism with the Holy Ghost is God putting you under in The holy ghost the holy ghost is in you at salvation you get in and under the holy ghost at the baptism with the holy ghost And the manifestation of that is the power of god to bear unto the governor of the feast The manifestation of the baptism with the holy ghost is power and anointing to be his witness and that's what he says right here And if you want to make the manifestation some other sign gifts you have to twist and pervert the scripture You're preaching a whole nother spirit you're preaching a whole nother deal it says ye shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me look at that what did he say did i miss that michael did I miss... where's the tongues michael he said ye shall be witnesses unto me now what do you use to be a witness the word of god and you speak it with your mouth and what flaps in there to make the words coherent is the tongue so the tongue is the instrument that is used. It's way, way, it's like third in the rank. It's way down there. God says, I pray that God would sanctify you spirit, soul, and body. And if you're caught up in tongues, you're stuck in the body. Right. You're carnal. And there's a lot of good Christians who love the Lord that are stuck, and they're just stuck in their carnality. All they're doing is running around chasing physical manifestations that they hope or think that they might get. Some of them are biblical, some of them are not. And they're chasing these physical manifestations and they've missed the whole message that Christ gave us. He said, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. By the way, when God saved Paul, he said, he said, ye shall speak for me before kings. So you're going to bear it to the governor. You're going to take this before kings. Jesus Christ in his great commission commanded that the gospel be preached into all the world. Into all the world. To the rich, to the poor, to the high, to the low, to the blind, to the lame, to the healed, to the the influential, and to the nobodies. (coughs) He said here to the disciples who believed on Jesus Christ, by the way... It says that he had breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost previously. And some dear people say that at that, that, was a, that was like the ticket to the show, that Jesus breathed on them, and so now they could get the Holy Ghost. I don't see that. you got to read extra into that. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. When he breathed on Adam, did Adam lay around until uh, 40 days after or whatever it was? Oh, he had life. He had life. When Jesus breathes on somebody, they've got life. Amen. And Jesus breathed on these men and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible also says that he opened their understanding. That was before Pentecost. Right. He opened their understanding. And then they're there getting in the Bible in Acts chapter 2. And guess what? They, they've, they're there and they're, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but they have not been immersed in the Holy Ghost anointed by the Holy Ghost to preach the Word, but their understanding has been illuminated and they believe in God, they have received the Holy Ghost into their hearts and they are the sons of God there. But guess what they do? They go and have a business meeting. Why? Because they're not filled with and walking in the spirit so they've got to come up and jimmy up with robert's rules of order and get a quorum and try and figure out all this stuff and try and jimmy up some kind of way to have church apart from the power of the holy spirit of god you'll never see another business meeting in the bible that i know of it's right here in acts chapter one before pentecost They didn't need it after Pentecost. By the way, and some good men disagree with me, Matthias is never mentioned again. Here, what they do in their business meeting, they picked Matthias to be the 12th apostle. The Bible says in Revelation, there are 12 apostles of the Lamb, and you cannot get around that. There are 12, period, end of story. There's a dear man of God, I love him. He says there's 14, and I respectfully disagree because the Bible says there's 12. Right. And you you say out there, oh, I'm an apostle, and you mean you're an apostle by the Lamb. Don't lie to me, because you run around acting like one and taking authority over the churches and trying to make prophetic utterances of new revelations. And God gave that to the 12 apostles of the Lamb and only the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so you're um, bootlegging out here as an apostle of the Lamb. By the way, what did Paul say was a sign of the apostle? He says we are, we're, we're naked, we're tired, we're buffeted, we're hated, we're despised. Nobody follows us. We're alone. We have no certain dwelling place. We don't have any money. We're stoned. We're chased around. We're persecuted. I've been night and day in the deep. Yep. You say you're an apostle. Let's see your battle scars. Let's see your bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yep. That's an apostle for you. There's an apostle for you. Paul was the 12th apostle. I'm sorry if you don't quite see that. Maybe maybe you're close, but you're no banana, as they say. God have mercy on me. The Bible says there's 12 apostles of the Lamb. I cannot go around the Bible. There's 12 of them. If I'm wrong about that, God will fix it in in glory and I thank Him that I can trust that. It says there in verse 26, Matthias was numbered with the 11. And it goes on, with the 11, with the 11, with the 11, with the 11, with the 11 through the rest of the book of Acts. Every time it talks about that group, it never says the 12 again. The next time you find the 12 apostles is in Revelation and they're the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now the we're here, we're just going to chase this rabbit. The Bible in one place here in Acts says that the apostles Paul and Barnabas, and it mentions these apostles Paul and Barnabas. The word apostle just means sent. It just means a, a, preach, a basically what we would call a missionary today, right. a humble no extra authority, no divine revelation, just somebody carrying on the work. The apostles of the Lamb, who Paul was one of, Paul set the pattern for all missionary work. And it's an apostolic work, and it must be done in apostolic power, but not as an apostle of the Lamb under the authority of the apostle of the Lamb, Paul. When you go out as a missionary, you need to go out with the power of the Holy Spirit and you need to carry the words, the revelation of God that was given to you by the Apostle Paul. And that makes it an apostolic ministry. How about them apples? A real missionary is carrying on the apostolic work of Paul. And he doesn't need to speak in tongues. He doesn't need to dance a jig. He doesn't need to do anything else. He can just carry the words of Paul to a far-off nation with the power and anointing of God on his life to be a witness. And he's carrying forward the work. The Mormon church says, we've got apostles. Where are your apostles? I'm holding them in my hand. The 12 apostles of the Lamb gave us the New Testament. They say, you've only got 66 books. We've got more. Yeah, but I've got 12 apostles that gave me these 66 books. That ratified, verified, canonized them through their teachings and through their preachings. And that's how we know that our Bible is the Bible. is through the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And all these people that want to add to the Bible, they are actually denying the work of the apostles. Well, we've got apostles. No, you don't. Those aren't apostles. I've got an apostle named Matthew. Praise God for Matthew. I get exhorted by Matthew all the time. We just read from Matthew. Matthew. I get exhorted by Paul. He's one of my apostles. And I get in the Bible and I read Thessalonians and I'm getting exhorted and reproved and rebuked by revelation of God, direct utterance from God through the apostle Paul. He's one of my apostles. And if you disagree with Paul, you're a liar. Or are we in it thick today. But it's good and it's right and it's Bible. It's just Bible. But see, we've gotten so deceived and all the terms have been so redefined that we can't even say the word apostle. We can't say prophet. We can't say Holy Ghost. We can't say baptism with the Holy Ghost. We can't say any of those things in modern fundamental churches that believe the Bible because everybody gets all drawn up and starts puckering up and thinks that you're going to start rolling on the floor and howling like a dog. People, stop letting the stop letting the devil steal the Bible from you. Stop letting the devil redefine the terms. I'm not ashamed of the word apostle. I'm not ashamed of the word prophet. I thank God for his prophets. We wouldn't have the Bible without the prophets. Yeah, it says bishop in there. That's a real Bible word. We don't need to be ashamed of this stuff. So Acts chapter 1, "'Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, "'and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea "'and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth.'" Now, how do you know the true from the false? You have to study the true. So what happens when the church of the living God pulls off of the truth? And they say, oh, we're not going to have bishops. We're not going to talk about apostles. We're not going to talk about prophets. We're not t- going to talk about baptism with the Holy Ghost. We're going to, oh, tongues ceased. Tongues ceased. Listen, we're going to get there in a second. I'm, we're not going to preach on that today. Your tongue flaps in your mouth. It ain't ceased yet or you wouldn't be able to talk. Give me a break. Come on. I'm sorry. That's Bible. Your tongue isn't going to cease. Oh, for a thousand tongues to cease until what? To sing. Until what? Until that which is perfect has come, which is Jesus Christ. And when he comes, the tongues, the the languages of the nations will cease. Why do we give the Pentecostal charismatic groups the liberty and the right to redefine tongues? Whenever we say tongues cease, we are using their definition. Right. Yep. Yep. Tongues means languages. Right. Amen. We still got Spanish speaking people out here that need the gospel in their language. Amen. And God wants us to go with the power of the Holy Ghost and take the gospel in Spanish Amen. to the Spanish people and therefore to speak in tongues. And we need the gift of tongues in our churches, in our fundamentalist churches. We need some people, and they might have to study hard to get it. But you're not, st- you're not going to some kind of weird place out there in the boondocks with a bunch of perverts who are going to lay their hands all over you to get tongues. You might have to get out a Spanish book and learn the language. God help us. Why do we let them redefine everything? it says ye shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in jerusalem and in all judea and in samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth and when he had spoken these things well they beheld he was taken up in a cloud received him out of their sight he told them there tarry ye in jerusalem until ye receive power from on high (coughs) that's out of luke Now it says in Acts 1 that that they were assembled together in verse 4 and he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he, Ye have heard of me. Look at Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. They were immersed, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. These guys say they're Pentecostals. I ask them, where's the fire? Where's the cloven tongue of fire whenever you speak in tongues? I don't see it. You ever seen it? Haven't met one yet that said they did. And if I did meet one, I'd probably just say, all right, fine, and walk off thinking this guy's lying. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We're not even going to read all this right now. You read it. It says in verse 6, every man heard them speak in his own language. Tongues in the Bible are languages. It's absolutely clear as the nose on your face. You cannot get around it. It says that Peter, look at verse 14, standing up with the how many? The 11. How about that? And on and on it goes with the 11. He preached. He lifted up his voice. He said, you men of Judea. And here this cursing fisherman who had denied Christ now has the power and the anointing of God, the illumination of Scripture set on fire by the Holy Spirit of God so that the word of God could come through his tongue to the nations. And now he's bearing out and taking to the governor of the feast. Pretty soon they're going to have to stand before the, the Sanhedrin And these men said that they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They saw these were ignorant and unlearned men. In chapter 3, they were preaching again. In chapter 4, they were threatened. And look at verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now listen to me. There was a little healing that went on in the book of Acts, but that wasn't the main story. It was the gospel. The gospel is the main story in the book of Acts. And every time they ever healed, it was for the furtherance of the gospel. And when Paul and Barnabas went out and they healed... The the whole city of Gentiles tried to worship them because they're a bunch of superstitious people, which is the main reason why we don't see as much of God's powerful manifested gifts like they did whenever God transitioned the church back in those days because Israel believed God, but the Gentiles didn't. So they tried to worship Jupiter and Mars whenever Paul did it, and that'll still happen today, and it's happening in our nation. People run around and act like they're healers, and people go and worship them, Instead of worshiping God. God's not done healing. God heals all the time. But God's ways are not our ways. And it sure isn't this lying healing garbage. And it sure isn't this healing for profit stuff. And it sure isn't all this out here. But God heals all the time. James says, if any is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And they'll pray pray over him, confessing his sins, anointing him with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. But the gospel... Went out in power and they carried it to kings. They carried it all over. Acts ends with Paul preaching the gospel to kings. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Or the baptism with the Holy Ghost. <coughs> is the work of God in the life of a believer. To immerse them in the Holy Spirit of God. And that immersion... In the Spirit of God is something the infilling can never be lost. The indwelling can never be lost for a a Christian. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. But the anointing power of God can very much be lost. And you can see Saul is our Old Testament type for that in the Bible. And he showed what happens to a Christian. And by the way, that's what's happened to our Christians. We've had some men who were anointed once, Brother Michael. And they lost the anointing, and they kept on operating in the energy and power of their flesh, using the gift, like Brother Larry Brown said, using their gifts, but using them apart from the power of the Spirit of God. And because of that, we have a fleshly, carnal church all across America because of that stuff. We have ministries doing far more harm than good because we have not tarried in our Jerusalems. You say, well, that happened once. Yes, it did, and then it happened again in Acts 4. Look at it it says in verse 31 and a brother in the lord sent me this text today and i was already i was planning on preaching this when he sent it to me and i just had to say hallelujah thank you lord it says that here they, were, they prayed. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. This is the church gathered in one accord and one mind. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word with boldness. And there you have another immersion with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ pouring out his spirit upon his church all through the Old Testament. It talks about it. It talks about God pouring out his spirit upon us. The prophet Joel spoke of it. It's all through the word of God. It's actually what we really should mean when we say revival is God baptize your church with the Holy Spirit again. Immerse us in the power, the love, the soundness of mind, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to make us your witnesses. Grant us boldness that we can preach the word without fear. Yeah. That we can stand without fear, by the way, Stephen, who it 's getting up to, Stephen did signs and wonders, and he was a deacon. So if you think signs and wonders are the manifestation of an apostle, you lost your ever living mind. Right. They were all doing signs and wonders, nearly yep. the whole church was the sign of an apostle of the lamb is the ability to speak the words of God by direct revelation. There's only 12 of them and they gave us our Bible that we have perfectly preserved today in the King James Bible. Right. Listen, if, and if you don't believe that, you don't have any authority whatsoever. You don't, how do you know your Bible is a Bible? How do you know it shouldn't have 67 books? Right. What about the book of Judas? Yep. Why isn't that in the Bible? How many times have people say that to you, Michael? Yeah, a bunch. A bunch. Yep. What about the book of Judah? What Judas? What about the Apocrypha? What about all this other stuff? Right. If it wasn't for the authority of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, we would have no way to say that's out and this is in but because of the authority of the 12 apostles of the lamb we have clear biblical lines that give us 66 books of the bible from genesis to revelation in the authorized version of the bible the king james bible when they printed it originally king james was an anglican and they wanted they put in as an addendum as an appendix they put in the They it they ever even called it bible though right And it didn't take very long before public opinion got that junk kicked out. Because that's all it is, is junk. We don't need that junk. You don't need to fill your head with that junk. It'll just twist up your mind. What we need today is for the letter of the Word of God to be anointed, to be turned to wine by the power of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That's what I'm going to ask that we pray for today, is that God baptize, immerse His church... All across this land, the true believers all around the world that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who tremble at his word, (coughs) that he would immerse them with the Holy Spirit of God to give them boldness to preach his word. It's been kind of different this morning, but that's what I had on my heart. Let's pray right now, Father. I thank you for your word and the simplicity of your word. help us to have grace one for another where we might not see eye to eye lord god there's things i didn't see for a long time there's things i know i don't see but i don't know what i don't see lord if i saw it i'd see it and i wouldn't not see it anymore so lord we just need grace lord help us to submit to your word Help us, Lord, free us from false doctrines, free us from anti-doctrines, doctrines that were made by men to defend the faith that doesn't need made, Lord God, because the word of God's been twisted, Lord God, by our enemies, by the devil, and by his servants, Lord God, and we don't need a bunch of extra doctrines, Lord God, to try and explain these things because the Bible explains itself. Help us just to believe the Bible. Help us to get back to biblical definitions of terms, Father. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us not to look for a bunch of manifestations, Lord, other than the manifestation of boldness and power to preach the word. Lord, if you want to heal people, we just ask you to do it in a way that gives you all the glory and honor. Lord, if you want to give us a special ability in another language, Lord, we sure need it. When we talk to somebody and we can't speak their language, we can't even we can't communicate with them. Our missionaries need this badly, Lord. And some of them struggle for three and four years trying sometimes longer trying to learn the language and Lord we just need you to pour out your spirit upon us quicken our minds Lord it'd be wonderful if you'd take our missionaries Lord God and just quicken their minds and and make those languages easy for them to understand and illuminate their mind to those languages so that they can speak the Word of God in those languages. Lord, we know you did a miracle there because every man heard them speak in their own tongue. And that gift, Lord, went beyond the spoken word. It was the heard word that was altered. And I don't even care if you do that, Lord. It wouldn't offend me one bit. If you take the gospel and open people's ears so they can hear it in their own language, I wouldn't be offended one bit, Lord God. And I just ask you, Lord God, to let your gospel go forth in power. I pray, Lord God, that people's hearts would be changed. I pray, Lord God, that you would grant us boldness. We're gathered in this tent this morning, Lord God, weary, tired. Lord God, worn. And we just need your boldness, Lord. We need your power. We need your anointing, Father. And Lord, that you would do it in such a way that we know when you do it that it's you doing it, Father. And that we would have no question in our hearts and our minds about it, but that we would feel the authority and power of Almighty God all around us and through us. And Lord, that whenever we say the Bible says "Ye must be born again, that it would go forward with the authority of your word on it, and that it would cut right to the hearts of the people that we talk to. When we say repent, repent and believe the gospel, Lord God, that people would in their hearts, Lord, that they would be cut to the quick, and that they would know that the things that we're saying are not, it's not our words, Lord God, it's your words, Our words can't do anything, Father, but your words are quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we come before you humbly and we come simply. We come as ignorant, unlearned men, Lord God, plain men. And Lord, as mankind we say that. Men and women here gathered today, boys and girls, and we ask you, Lord, to come. Come, Lord, and pour out your spirit upon us. Immerse us, Lord, in your spirit. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. As we're praying here, many times in the book of Acts, God poured out His Spirit upon them, on individuals, on the church. That's what we need. Maybe you have, at one point in your life, maybe God anointed you for service and used you some of you preachers, maybe you didn't even believe because believe you've seen all the junk and you said, oh, God doesn't do that anymore, but maybe God did it anyway because he's not, he's not confined by our misunderstandings of doctrine. He works whether or not we understand it or he just does his thing. God is God. Maybe he anointed you once and you walked in that anointing and that power and you couldn't explain it, but you knew that God's power was on you, his hand was on you but you got tired you got weak maybe some temptations got hold on you and maybe for maybe it's been weeks months maybe years you've been fighting along trying to just keep going you know it's right to keep going you know it's right to preach the gospel and you want to and you're trying hard but the power isn't there the authority isn't there it just rolls off people's backs like water running off a duck's back it's not getting through you need the immersion, the filling, the anointing. I hope I haven't confused the matter today. When you're saved, the Spirit of God indwells you. And that saves you, seals you unto the day of redemption. When God sanctifies you, He gives you power to live a holy life by filling you, your, spirit, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He gives you His thoughts. He gives you understanding of the Bible. He changes you. On the inside, it begins to work on the outside. And when God immerses you, baptizes you, he puts such the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. By the way, they had this in the Old Testament. They didn't have the indwelling. They didn't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. That's why David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Saul got the power of God on him. The Spirit of God came upon Saul, but he lost it. Some of us have done that. We've had the power of God, but we've lost it. If that's you today, I just ask you to humbly come before God and say, God, I need your power to do your work because you said without me ye can do nothing. I need your anointing. I need boldness. I need your power. Lord, I try to tell people about Jesus, and it seems like it goes in one ear and out the other. And I can't do it, Lord. Lord. I'm working hard, but it seems like I'm just beating the air. And I need your anointing again, and I'm asking you for it in Jesus' name. And I ask everyone that's here today, everyone that's here today, if that's your prayer, if you want the power of God in your life, it's going to take yieldedness. It's going to take tearing. It's not a one-shot thing. You don't get it for good. You get the Holy Ghost for good, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You get sealed into the day of redemption. You get saved for good. God doesn't save halfway you get saved you're saved you have eternal life but the power of god on your ministry that jesus christ promised when he said greater works than these shall ye do the power of god on your ministry to be his witness is something that can come and go unsubmission disobedience worldliness carnality will quench the spirit thessalonians warns us not to quench the spirit that's what this is all about Maybe you've got something you need to confess and get right with God. I encourage you just to seek now and keep on seeking the power of the Holy Spirit of God to be his witness, not to be a big shot, not to impress other people, not to have showy manifestations, but so that whenever you tell the guy at the grocery store, Jesus died for you, he loves you, he was buried, he rose again the third day, and except you repent, ye shall likewise perish. That when you tell him that, the Spirit of God takes it like a sword and cuts right through his heart and does something in his heart he'll never get over. That's what we need.